I'd like to know that our customers are in a better place with their budget, with their sustainability targets. They're smarter about how they use their power than they were before they came to us. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. I'm John Fiella, and welcome to another episode of Smart Energy Voices. Today, I'm joined by Jeff Calvin, Executive Vice President of Sales at MP2 Energy, a subsidiary of Shell Energy North America. With the growing interest that international oil companies have in the energy transition and the role that MP2 Energy is specifically playing for Shell North America, we have a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. Jeff, it's great to have you with me here today, and thanks for being a part of Smart Energy Voices. Oh, thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. Jeff, why don't we start by having you tell us a little about yourself and your current role at MP2 Energy? Certainly. Thank you again. I'm the Executive Vice President of Sales for MP2 Energy, a Shell wholly owned subsidiary. I've been in the in the retail energy business, specifically on the sales side since 2002 at MP2 Energy specifically, I manage everything power and power-related services as they are delivered to the customer, whether that's conventional, renewable, efficiency, so on and so forth. If it's power, it comes through our desk here. Okay, great. Thank you for that. The particular focus that MP2 has on large electric power users, I think, is something that makes a lot of sense and look forward to getting into that with you in a little more detail throughout throughout the conversation. I don't want to talk too much about Shell in this interview. I really want to talk about MP2 Energy, Jeff, and I want to talk about you. We can't ignore the role that Shell is playing in the energy transition and their interest in the whole movement. So let's take a couple minutes to, to talk about Shell's role in the energy transition and their interest in renewable energy. We've seen announcements from Shell and many others in the oil industry who are interested in moving into renewables. Shell clearly has been at the forefront of international oil companies that are investing in renewables. They've been very active in the space for for several years now. What do you think are the main drivers at Shell and at Shell's management behind this this shift and growing interest in renewables? All right, it's a great question, John. I appreciate it. Let me be clear, it's not just about renewables. Shell is building a global integrated power business spanning generation, trading, and supply that will offer lower carbon and renewable energy solutions profitably and at scale while using nature and carbon sinks to offset emissions from hard-to-abate sectors of the energy system. As recently as April of 2020, Shell announced its and you saw it, ambition to become a net zero emissions energy business by 2050 or sooner. This ambition developed in line with the goal of reaching the Paris Agreement to limit global average temperature rise to one and a half degrees Celsius had already given a clear framework to Shell's transition into a low carbon future. 
But the COVID-19 pandemic and the resulting macroeconomic landscape and calls for a green recovery appears to have compounded greater impetus and urgency. While the global pandemic is both unsettling and changing how we live and work day to day, it also seems to be focusing minds on how we can shift more rapidly towards a low-carbon future. We obviously find this very exciting. We're committed to working with our customers and partners to develop commercially sound solutions and move at pace, which in turn accelerates Shell's own energy transition journey. This will in turn propel Shell towards its ambition of being a net zero emissions business by 2050 or sooner, while helping our customers and the world really in its decarbonization journey. That's a bold ambition to be a net zero emissions business by 2050. Clearly, to get at that, it's got to be more than than renewables. So thank you for really kind of driving home that point. I, I like this idea of really the framework being a global integrated power business that really positions it as much more than, than just an interest in renewable energy. So Shell was one of the first kind of movers into this whole sector and this concept of developing an integrated power business. What, if any, early mover advantages do you, do you think this has given the, the company? Well, starting with electricity, right? That's kind of the, the focus here. Electricity is the fastest growing part of the energy system. And when you generate it from renewable sources, it has a big role to play in reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Shell sees electricity as a huge opportunity, and it's where the core of our new energies efforts is focused. In America, this is particularly prevalent. Through Shell Energy North America, which SENA as we call it, we've long been one of the top three power traders and wholesale suppliers in North America. We also have a growing power trading business in Europe, and we're entering into other markets, including Australia. MP2 Energy, which Shell acquired us in September of 2017, so a little over three years ago, we're making inroads and helping customers meet those renewable energy goals. This includes commercial and industrial customers like the U.S. financial services company Wells Fargo, who in just in June of 2020 announced that MP2 and Shell will provide 150,000 megawatt hours of renewable energy annually to meet 100% of Wells Fargo's eligible load in seven states and Washington. We're particularly excited about the prospect for electric mobility, as you've seen quite a bit of. Mm-hmm. Grain Lots is a Los Angeles-based B2B EV charging company bought by Shell last year in 2019 and provides more than 7,500 charging points, charging network software, and grid services across the U.S. Similarly, in Europe, New Motion is another partner company with more than 160,000 charging points across Europe. As we scale these companies in the years ahead, we want to encourage further adoption of electric vehicles, but we're doing this with a wider purpose of integrating them into the power business that Shell is building globally. We believe that the electric car revolution that we're seeing now and that's been developing over the last few years is just one component of a much wider way of consuming energy in the future. That's why we're building an integrated power business, again, aimed at responding to the way individuals and businesses, which are our future customers, will use energy in the years ahead. It's interesting how you mentioned several different international plays, and I guess this is all to this piece of being a global integrated power business. So clearly, it sounds like in North America, MP2 Energy is the premier kind of customer-facing business unit for large power users. I like the way you, you refer to it as by saying everything you could do with 
power you could do with MP2 Energy. Tell us a little more about the role that MP2 Energy is going to play in Shell Strategy here in North America, Jeff. Well, MP2 is the only Shell wholly owned retail electricity provider in the U.S. And we can, or MP2 can, deliver power-related services directly to its customers in every deregulated market in the country, particularly as we just finished out New York and we're rolling in the California retail power business under the MP2 brand. From conventional power to renewable energy to energy efficiencies and everything in the middle, we're helping customers use energy in a cleaner and more efficient manner. Renewable energy, energy efficiency, electrification of transportation, coast to coast. It sounds to me like you're going to be pretty busy, Jeff. (laughs) And that's just happened in the last month. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, listen, I mean, there's clearly, there's clearly a major commitment on the part of the company globally to quickly grow an integrated power business. And it sounds like MP2 Energy and then you as the lead sales executive are kind of on point to make that happen. So, You're obviously doing this in response to customer needs and kind of customer opportunities. You're not the only one that sees the opportunity, right? There are more and more companies like MP2 that are getting positioned to help large power users meet these evolving energy needs, but also meet their sustainability goals. What do you think is going on with large customers that's contributing to more customers establish sustainability goals and some customers getting more and more aggressive with those sustainability goals? You know, what's clear is that low carbon energy is no longer a nice to have. Much like we saw with Rex 10 years ago, it's getting to the point that just having low carbon energy is not just a feel good movement, right? The investors and customers of the companies we serve demand, and I use air quotes, greener operations. Mm-hmm. Right? Their facilities and products they produce and that they use, they have to have minimal impact to the environment. New assertive sustainability programs are being publicized and companies are committed to holding themselves accountable publicly. Yeah, it's interesting. There's almost an arms race going on with large power users where it started with renewable energy targets. It's evolved to emission reduction targets. It was, you know, carbon neutral, carbon negative. There are now some companies looking to offset the emissions related to the, the products that their that their customers use. So this movement's really, really gathering momentum and it's fascinating for us to watch at smart energy decisions. So you've got these companies making increased commitments What's your point of view, Jeff, on on the most important things that large customers should be considering as they plan to not only shift to renewables, but plan to hit these sustainability commitments that they're making? Right. So beyond the requirements by investors and customers demanding a higher level of accountability, companies need to consider the economics of their sustainability goals. The cost of some renewable sources of energy have come down drastically over the last few years, as we've seen in solar power. Just one example. Second, customers should consider how in-depth their plans are for renewable energies. Is it most important to purchase RECs or renewable energy credits, or can they use the resources of a company like MP2, 
shell to customize a solution that provides reach into dedicated power sources, pointing to a renewable asset, for example, that provides the best package tailored to their needs. They should select providers that have experience and financial backing to succeed long-term. Companies like Shell and thus MP2, we're building upon the success of our brands while also leveraging our established global reach. So keep your eye on the economics, right? Because it's got to make financial sense, have comprehensive plans and kind of partner with people that have the wherewithal to get things done. I think that's a pretty good list. I, I, I think that the only thing I'd add to the list, Jeff, is, is that given the need that companies have to attack this from both the demand management side and greening the supply, I think kind of looking for partners that can help with a range of resources or a range of opportunities is important. With all those things said, please, and you're being really modest here, not wanting to talk too much about MP2, but tell us a little bit about how MP2 is positioned to to meet these expanding customer needs. I appreciate that. MP2 has been doing this, and I say this, I mean, complex, renewable, behind-the-meter, solar, plain conventional, but complex products with credit structures for over a decade, right? This Mm -hmm. isn't new to us. Customers Mm -hmm. like Cargill recently, Wells Fargo recently, but Rice University, Fort Hood, several cities and school districts in Texas, they've been working with us at MP2 to meet their sustainability initiatives for a long while. But with Shell as our parent, we now have the support, the reach, the global footprint, the larger national footprint, take it a step back, and the balance sheet to scale those solutions. This has provided MP2 with a distinct competitive advantage, the ability to take renewable initiatives or sustainability initiatives and find a way to wrap those in a retail structure deal, that's different for the market. I know we've talked about that quite a bit in the past, but bringing all that together is due in large part to the acquisition of MP2 by Shell a few years ago. So as a company, MP2's been at this for 10 years, and the difference is now you've got the backing and support of this large global parent that along with comes a kind of a broadening array of solutions that you're able to deploy to help help customers meet their meet their goals. That's correct. You know, and I use air quotes, little MP2 was out doing deals where we were having to talk to the developer, talk to the project owners, put the EEI and the rec annexes in place. We didn't have the balance sheet to do that for more than one or two customers every couple of years, right? And they took a long time to put together and they took a lot of money and a lot of resources that we could pull those together for certain cases and certain customers. But the Shell backing and the knowledge that Shell brings, the trading experience, the renewable origination desk, bringing that to MP2, who's talking to these customers already, that's been the game changer. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So you're really, you're in a position now to kind of turbocharge your activities being being a part of the larger Shell Shell family. Earlier, you referenced Wells Fargo. Maybe you, you can tell us a little more about one or two customers that you've worked with that's been involved in making the shift to renewables. And it could be someone that you know we might not normally associate with with renewable energy. So tell us a little more about one or two specific customer deployments. 
Yeah, certainly. And and thank you and Smart Energy Decisions for carrying some of these stories over the last over the last year as as we've had several successes. I'll mention, you know, Wells Fargo again. Just as June of this year, we partnered with them and Shell to provide what was about 150,000 megawatt hours of renewable energy annually to meet 100% of its eligible load in seven states in Washington. And I, I mentioned it again, and not to go too far down the rabbit hole, what it took to cross that many states and include California, right? California is nuanced, but MP2 and Shell's ability to provide power and renewable energy across the U.S., including California, that was special. Also, take Microsoft, for example, which we just extended our relationship with to help them meet 100% of their renewable energy commitment by 2025. In the years ahead, Microsoft and Shell worked together to secure renewable energy supply in several global energy markets. Both companies, Wells Fargo and Microsoft, are coming to Shell for their renewable energy goals, which is probably not something people in the general public would have associated with Shell prior to some of these announcements. But as I mentioned, most people aren't thinking of your your Fort Hoods and your some of your smaller municipalities. You know, rooftop solar that we've done with school districts in North Dallas, that North Dallas area, what we've done with with Rice University and that that structured deal. And people associate Cargill and Arden Mills with renewable energy, but what we just did with them and that story that that y'all carried was a fantastic one of an initiative they were trying to reach in ERCOT that with our partnership, we were able to help them meet 90% of their load in West Texas with 100% renewable energy tied directly to assets. So just a few examples there, John. Well, listen, we, we love, Jeff, that you're giving us lots to write about. And we want those stories to keep coming in, man, because that's that's what we're here for. That's what we're about. We want to put success stories on a pedestal so others will emulate them. Those were some really good examples, and thanks for sharing them. The Microsoft one in particular is really interesting because I think they've got one of the most ambitious sustainability objectives where they not only want to get carbon, go to carbon zero, but they want to offset all of the emissions that their company has ever generated from their inception. I mean, that's setting a high bar for others to follow. So we'll be we'll be watching them with great interest. Right. I'm sorry to interrupt, but what we're seeing yeah. there is that with these announcements of the really large organizations that we all hear about and we all want to be a part of, the mm-hmm. Facebooks, Googles, Amazons, Microsofts, we're hearing from their value chain down line of, hey, I provide these widgets to this large customer that you just made an announcement about. And it's part of our goal to be, quote unquote, green. And so it improves our position with that larger company that we supply a product to? How can you help us meet our little renewable initiative? So we're starting to see it really pushed down from not just within one organization, but it's starting to proliferate through other organizations as they serve a larger corporation, if that makes sense. It sure does. It not only makes sense, I think you've hit on one of the key themes of 2021, which is large companies kind of working on greening their supply chains as as they get more and more focused on trying to reduce their their scope 3 emissions it's interesting to hear that some of the kind of supplier companies would actually start reaching out proactively 
I think the number of large companies that have been working on this up until this point has been somewhat limited, but we think it's going to become a real theme in 2021. So thanks for adding that. So the Wells Fargo example, the Microsoft example, these are probably things you may have had a challenge getting to before MP2 Energy was a part of Shell. Now that you're a part of this larger global company, maybe reflect a little further, Jeff, on the on the resources that you know you're able to bring to bear on on projects for large power users to help them meet their needs. Sure, it's a great question. As we've talked about, Shell has the scale and global reach with a presence in more than 70 countries, which allows us to move quickly. That sounds odd, but having that reach around the globe allows us to adapt and move with the customer. So we have an international trading capability and quickly growing our commercial industrial renewable energy credentials among customers. Shell has one of the strongest and most recognizable global brands in the world. Shell's brand is ranked 23rd in the world, according to the independently audited brand finance. That makes it higher than Starbucks, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and Nike, which that's incredible. If the world still thinks of us as oil and gas, then we'll continue to make the case for why we are now an integrated energy company. In short, we can meet the changing energy needs of our customers and meet them in whichever location and circumstance that they find themselves in. Yeah, well, listen, the strength of the company and the heritage of the brand is clearly unquestioned. And I think all large oil companies have this issue. I think there's going to be, it's going to take a little time and it's going to take a lot of work for people to really evolve the way they they think of you. But I think publishing things like the sky scenario and doing the things that you've done, not only in North America, but globally, I think all lead the observer to a definitive conclusion that the company's serious about this, the company's committed to it, and we look forward to continuing to monitor the progress of both MP2 Energy and the broader company. So we've talked a lot here about kind of customer requirements and how you're working with different customers. What's your sense for where things are headed, Jeff, in terms of where customer requirements are going to evolve to. You talked about the whole supply chain piece briefly. What else do you see happening in terms of evolving customer requirements? It's really taking that local customer and serving that all the way up to the, the global customer. And if you think, as I do, that the energy system of the future will be more democratized with the customer pulling products through it, then Shell is uniquely positioned. It'll be companies with strong brands, strong global reaches, companies capable of providing a single net zero industrial solution that works for a customer in Alabama, in Texas, in India, and in Japan that have the reach and the financial muscle to really make things happen. That's where it's heading. We hear it from customers all the time. If you could just provide me with services around demand response, help me with my renewable initiatives, help me with my conventional power, help me with behind the meter generation, help me with solar, help me with replacing my light bulbs, right? Helping me be more efficient, help me on both sides of the meter. And I can just come to you instead of having to go to seven or eight, nine, 10 different providers, then you've solved a problem for me. Well, that's uh, (laughs) those customer requirements, which basically say, 
help me do it all on both sides of the meter and help me do it all globally. That in a nutshell really does sum it up nicely. I mean, we're certainly seeing with our advisory board members, they truly are looking to partner with people who can help them with a wide variety of solutions. And this piece about doing it globally is becoming more and more important at our last renewable energy sourcing forum, Jeff, that you know you participated in and you'll be in the one that we're doing in December. Three quarters of the companies participating in that event are interested in the opportunity to source renewables outside of North America. And we see companies increasingly wanting to have international representatives participate in our events. We had a large tech company in July had a people from their renewable energy sourcing team from Asia, South America, Europe, and North America all participate. So I think this notion of customers wanting help, support on both sides of the meter, wanting that help and support globally is is really is really where things are are headed. And your enthusiasm to play in that game is uh, obvious from from this conversation. So I think you're in a great spot and it'll be interesting to see what what the company does going forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So look, we've talked about Shell. We've talked about MP2 Energy. I want to talk about you. You and I really, you know, we've gotten to, to know one another for a while and I'd like the people that are listening to get to know you a little better. So tell us about your background in a little more detail and kind of what led you to, to start a career in the energy industry. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And it's been a good time getting to know you and your folks and being a part of your organization. But yeah, I'd go back further than I'd like to admit in this business and that I went to a uh, small liberal arts university in San Antonio called Trinity University. And I had a friend who was helping start up a new business entering deregulation in Texas in 2002. It was called Texas Commercial Energy or TCE as we became to know it. So me and a couple of friends, having no idea what this meant, decided it was a good idea to start up our own brokerage (laughs) called Energy (laughs) PX. Yeah, why not? Right. So we were selling residential and small commercial kind of mid-com power for TCE, direct energy and Intergy Solutions who at that time had their own retail business in, in ERCOT. So that going back to 2002, you know, we just kind of saw it as it's a great opportunity to get into something new and emerging. There were guaranteed savings the way it was set up in ERCOT. There were guaranteed savings for customers and it, power was a service that customers had to have, right? So we had been in different sales roles before power and finally we had an opportunity to sell something that customers had to have as opposed to something we wanted them to have. So I left Energy TX in 03, 04, and went to Direct Energy to help start up their CNI Power Direct Sales in ERCOT. And then mm-hmm. I've been selling or leading sales teams who sell power ever since. Wow. So it started in college and it actually started with a with an entrepreneurial desire. It did. Yeah. It was a few years after school, but a few of my friends had gone straight to large retailers in ERCOT. Anticipation of deregulation had helped them set up pricing engines and settlement systems and things along those lines, then had an opportunity to go set up TCE. So yeah, entrepreneurial within a completely new business or new sector. Exciting. So was there a pivotal moment or a particular experience that where you said to yourself, hey, you know what, this is definitely the industry for me and 
I'm going to build a career here in the energy sector. Yeah, absolutely. And it was really that entrepreneurial brokerage time that we had and getting to know the business. The opportunities seemed endless at that point because we were only reaching a small part of the customer class. Going to direct energy way back when really kind of expanded my horizons and starting to talk to larger commercial and industrial customers. And it was really taking something that was, I don't want to say negative, but a turning point in my career was being at direct energy during the strategic energy acquisition in 2008 and the attrition that we saw at direct energy as a result. And in a short amount of time, I went from feeling like a sales leader and a contributor to the corporate bottom line to within days feeling like just a cog in the wheel with no control over my destiny. And that was kind of the general feeling of a lot of us. Now, I kept my job and continued to be successful at Direct Energy for a while after the acquisition. But I told my wife that day that it happened and swore right then and there that I would work every day from that point forward to find a way into leadership positions Mm -hmm. so that I could have more of a say in the direction of the company and not feeling like I was just way down the line, not having much of an impact. Yeah. So it sounds like you, you really, you're motivated and engaged by the opportunity to make things happen and, and lead teams is what it sounds to me like. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the best part about all of it in my side of it is working with customers. There's just, there's no better feeling than talking to that customer with the needs assessment, needs analysis, and delivering whatever whatever it is they're trying to get to and working directly with that customer. And if I can work with teams who do that and coach and lead teams who do that, then I'm in my sweet spot. Well, listen, I, I mean, you clearly have a good track record with that. You've, you've worked at a number of different companies, as you mentioned, Direct Energy, and then on to Champion Energy and Hudson Energy and now MP2. Tell us a, a little more about kind of how you're careers evolved and maybe give us some insight on to a couple of your most significant achievements, you know, the things you're most proud of. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to the brokerage of Energy TX back in 2002, I focused, like I said, on selling power to every size customer from residential to the largest of commercial and industrial. And I've, I've seen the transition from a predominantly direct sales approach to the customer to a world where 70% of customers in deregulated markets procure power from brokers and consultants. That was a huge shift in the market way back when. I've seen hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico that'll make the price of natural gas double and triple to a time now where even larger hurricanes have no impact on the price of natural gas and ultimately power prices, right? The dynamics, the fundamentals have completely shifted. All that saying is I've been in the business way too long. (laughs) I thought in 2016, honestly, that I had seen most everything from price fluctuations to bad summers in ERCOT to bad winters in PJM and ISO New England. And I kind of thought that my career in retail energy sales was coming to kind of a natural conclusion that I really couldn't learn anything new, that it was just conventional power and this is how we're going to sell it. And then I met the folks at MP2 Energy and started talking to them about what they were doing in limited markets like Virginia and what they were doing with demand response behind the meter generation, what they were doing with Rice University and Fort Hood. And my mind was just blown. I had no idea what I didn't know. I realized then when I was talking to this group and coming on board that I was witnessing and had the opportunity to be in the middle of another transition of epic proportions in our business, going from 
that of a customer's singular focus being on the price of power, right? And budget, <laughs> how cheap can I get it to transitioning to a customer focusing on not just that, that's always important, but how am I using my power? And how can I, as a customer, incorporate the environment into how I'm buying and, and my buying strategy? Huge, lofty, overarching corporate strategies about emissions and renewable energy were starting to be incorporated at the local level and smaller organizations. And MP2 was facilit- facilitating that transition. And I just, I knew from having those conversations that I had to be a part of it. Almost five years later, uh, here I am. I would say my this sounds cheesy, but I'll be honest with you. My proudest accomplishment is, like I said, is being part of that customer success story. When a customer tells the world that I'm meeting these sustainability initiatives, I as the customer, mm-hmm. and I'm doing that because of projects, products, and services delivered by MP2 and Shell, those are those are my proudest moments, right? The proudest moments of my sales teams are the proudest moments that I have. Yeah. It's all about helping people succeed. And I think based on what you just said, that's that's really that's a value that I think that I think you and I share. I, I think it's it's amazing how the kind of the more you focus on the success of others, the the more successful you become. And that's clearly a sentiment that you've expressed here. Yeah, and it's been a challenge with the pandemic. It's not I, I want to say that it's ever been easy, but it's been challenging. And so the successes are fantastic, but riding the waves of the downturns, that's challenging. And you just want to jump in and, and help more than ever. So it's been a year. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly has, Jeff. So, you know, you referenced this year, you referenced the pandemic. It's been a challenge for everybody, right? So this may be one of the biggest challenges you've had to tackle in your career, but I don't want to say that is the biggest challenge. So maybe tell us what what are some of the biggest challenges you've had to wrestle with in your career, Jeff? Yeah, well, it's odd to say pandemic aside. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I would say that. Yeah. Really, it's, and I alluded to it, not alluded, I spoke to it directly earlier. It's the biggest challenges have been around acquisitions. You know, corporations buy and sell all the time and it's the nature of business. And I get it. The The biggest challenge I've faced in the three major acquisitions that I've been through is maintaining and bringing forward the culture and the people that got you where you were to make you acquirable, right? To make mm-hmm. you the prettiest person at the dance that got you acquired. I've seen it Enough that I, I know that communication is is critical, right? It's got to be from the top, delivered frequently and, and transparently. You've got to build that trust that you're going to do what you said you're going to do from day one. It can't be sugar-coated. Change is, is challenging. I'm not saying anything people don't already know, but and most people aren't truly excited about change, like an acquisition in their careers. But with change comes great opportunities. And if you do your part to help help steer the ship in the, in the right new direction, then opportunity is usually waiting for you there at the dock, to continue the analogy. Shell has delivered, I would say, on its promises wholeheartedly after acquiring us in 2017. You know, Glenn Wright came down the day that we were acquired, and he said that MP2 would be a major part of Shell's power ambitions. And within three years, We've rolled in Shell Energy Inside, which is the energy efficiency group. Mm-hmm. We've rolled in the California retail power business, and we're set to announce a few other pieces of the of this power puzzle in 2021. But you'll have to you'll have to wait. 
<laughs> okay, I'm patient. Um, you know, I've got to agree with you. And it sounds like you've both been a buyer and you've been bought. Right. And depending on what side of the fence you're on with an integration or an acquisition, the stressors can be can be very different. But when you're on the buy side and kind of keeping people motivated and engaged and getting them to hang in and see the future is a challenge. And when you've been bought, it's just, hey, you know, what does this all, all mean for me? So I see, given your career and the number of different companies you'd be a part of, I could see how issues related to acquisitions and integrations are some of the biggest challenges that you faced. I mean, I'm curious, just as a follow-up, why do you think you've successfully handled integrations on both sides of the fence? What is it about how you have viewed it that you think has allowed you to weather the storm and emerge, if you look now, I mean, in a very senior leadership position? Well, you know, I'll say this, not that there's winners or losers in an acquisition. We've bought a company in in my past, not this one. And we felt like we were on the losing side. And now I've been the purchased company I feel like I'm on the winning side and <laughs> not that there's winners or losers, but don't always assume that because right. you're the buyer that, <laughs> that you're the, that you're the winner. I would say in this case with Shell and MP2, it's been a match made in heaven that might people might see that as a stretch, but it really has been. And that we've been successful here at MP2 and Shell was deliberate in their acquisition and they've been deliberate in how they've utilized us, right? It wasn't, right out of the gate, and I'm not patting, patting myself on the back, right out of the gate, Shell said, this is what we would like you to be down the line, Shell Energy North America. And they didn't just offload everything to us immediately. It was slow, it was deliberate, it was methodical, and it was transparent in how it was communicated. Just keep, for the first couple of years, just keep doing what you're doing, and we can give you access to bigger customers. We can give you brand equity in PJM and ISO New England that you probably didn't have before but just keep doing what you're doing and we're going to help give you some scale. And after we delivered on those just this last year, it's been, you've proven yourself. You're a mighty little company MP2, (laughs) but you're, you're the one that touches the customer day in and day out. And we have other things that you can offer the customer. So I don't know what's anything that I've done other than just try to keep people heading in the right direction. It's been a very positive three years with the acquisition and, the way they delivered it has made it easy on us. I'll be, be just being very honest. Yeah. Well, you stepped up and you delivered, which is key. I, I mean, it sounds to me like from the day Glenn came down and said, hey, this is going to be good. This is going to be exciting. Here's what we want to do. It sounds like a compelling image of the future was created. And as you've delivered on expectations, you've had an opportunity to do more, you know, it sounds like exactly the way this is supposed to be done. So it sounds like it's obviously been a great fit for MP2 Energy with Shell and congratulations on what you've accomplished so far there. And you haven't been in this business too long, Jeff, you're just getting started. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So so finally, I guess in wrapping up, let me ask you, what impact do you want to kind of have on the company and have on have on Shell, kind of when you think about your legacy and how you want to be remembered at the company, how do you think about that? Well, I guess I'd ask you, what do you know that I don't know? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know that our customers are in a better place 
with their budget, with their sustainability targets. They're smarter about how they use their power than they were before they came to us or before we met them or that we helped them through that transition while we served them. You know, I'd like to know that our brokers and consultants trust us to do what's right for them and our mutual customers day in and day out. You know, the MP2 and Shell are are better, maybe just a bit, but better because me and my team were here and the team that we built made a difference. You know, those are lofty goals considering the size of Royal Debt Shell, but I think it remains that if I walk away in 20 years and the customers and the brokers and the organization as a whole are better because of what our teams delivered, then I'm a happy and a proud man and I walk away knowing that I did good. Amen. I'll tell you what, that's that's fantastic. And my sense is you're going to make all that happen, Jeff. I hope this so. Is- This has been great. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I've enjoyed the opportunity to get to know you a little better. Can't thank you enough for joining me today for for this conversation. No, it's a pleasure. And I really appreciate the invitation and the help that you've provided us and your organization has provided us as we've kind of moved down this transition as well. Thank you again for your time, John. I appreciate it. Jeff, your insights and perspective are important. I really look forward to uh, continuing to follow what you and the company do going forward and given your commitment to help our community succeed and navigate the energy transition. I'd like to thank our listeners for engaging with our content and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. If you enjoyed this episode of Smart Energy Voices, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes Tell your colleagues and peers about it. We're excited about the opportunity to share conversations with leaders of the energy transition in Smart Energy Voices on our website and at our events, all in the interest of helping you make smart energy decisions. Thank you and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community.